Well, my name is Ray. Um, It is short for Rachel, but nobody calls me Rachel. Actually, that's not true. And when I'm in trouble at home, I'm called Rachel. So even, you know, my 50s, you know, when I hear someone calling me Rachel, I'm in trouble. But (laughs) as you can hear, I'm from Ireland. I'm not from America. I arrived here uh, last March uh, to start work, uh, doing research, my PhD, and really, really invested in people from recovery, from drugs, alcohol, and that's so I want to know about the methamphetamine and fentanyl epidemic that you're actually having here. However, we're going to talk about my other, my my drug of choice, <laughs> and that is hypnosis. Um, that's a, okay. So you, that's interesting. You call it a drug. So I did want to ask you, how did it start, and was it like an absolutely high-level, brain-busting epiphany. So yep. tell me how you got into hypnotherapy. So I was I was a child, and I watched, I must have been an American movie, because we didn't have Irish movies at the time. So it was it was about a, a time machine. There was a movie, I don't know what the, the movie was called, but it was about a guy in a time machine, and he used to come back and forwards in this time machine. And there was this watch that he used to look at and he'd set the watch backwards and he'd go back in time. So it was something that even as a child, I was really, really interested in. Wow, what would happen if I went backwards? Now, many people might say I'm backwards, <laughs> but always interested in it. And then as time goes on, years to get older, and people were actually studying hypnosis and mostly on stage. You can kind of see that whole hypnosis thing. And I'm going to invite a hundred people on stage and I'm going to touch you and you and you, and you're going to sit down because you're of no use to me whatsoever. You're a cast off, get out, (laughs) you know? Um, And then you're left with 10 or 12 or even 20 people on stage. They make them walk like ducks. You see people naked, you know, what would you do if you did this? What would you do? So, really really interested in how that actually happened and we had a hypnotherapist in our well we do still have him um amazing amazing guy and uh, many people have heard of him he has been in in las vegas and i'm gone blank on his name and it's barry and i can't remember what his surname is anyway um, he, uh, we could look Barry from Vegas. I'm sure we it's could go Barry from Vegas, but he's from Waterford in Ireland and he's great. He's absolutely great. I was actually one of his neighbors, but I don't think he actually knew I was a neighbor of his, but I was. But he was hypnosis for just entertainment or did he also sort of use it around town therapeutically? I mean, no. You see, he used it for stage. Yeah. And I had a thing about that whole thing of making people walk like ducks. Well, Actually, if I can make somebody walk like a duck, could I get them to stop being addicted to something? And as I said, my passion's all about recovery. Yeah. And so I started looking at it, you know, d- doing an awful lot of research. Well, should I come to the States and do it? Should I go to Canada and do it? I'm sorry I said that, but yeah, I was actually thinking of going to Canada. So, um, And then I decided when I was doing my master's in addiction counseling and psychotherapy, I got a bit bored, um, as you do when one is doing their master's. (laughs) Um, So I decided to do a double diploma in um, hypnosis and mind coaching at the same time. 
to see. Did they have that program at your school or did you have no. to like, I'm going to do it at home. Okay. Whole yeah. other place. A whole other place. I decided I was going to do it in a different college. And of course the college and anybody that knows Ireland, my college was in Dublin. This college was also in Dublin and they also did other, um, another college in Limerick at the same time. So the course was run at the same time, but on different weekends. And some weekends didn't suit me because I was in college doing my master's. So those weekends that didn't suit me, I would drive off to college in Limerick the following weekend. <laughs> so, um, so I trained and I got really, really invested in it. Um, the first weekend I went was an introductory weekend. I signed up there and then was the next day I signed up. The woman that, that actually taught the program, amazing, her name is Susan Wallace. Uh, she works in the Hypnosis um, Business Academy. Mm -hmm. She actually owns it and runs it. Talk about very easy, easy to teach, easy to understand. Everything was explained. And um, there was almost that thing of that we were now family. You know, there was a connection of something. Um, and, yeah, we took it from there. And, uh, yeah, I studied for almost a year. The end of it ended up going into covid and uh, I flew. I absolutely flew. I just, I loved it. Really, really loved it. So I'm curious if you went to two schools, one school sort of where you're getting your master's, was that the more respectable college university? Because I want to know how the people in one master's program responded to your like, oh, in my off time on the other weekends, I go and study hypnosis. Well, this is the funny thing about the college that I was in in Dublin and um, doing my master's was that it was a specialized program because it was only to do with addiction. So there was only five of us originally doing the course of the whole country. And then four of us ended up doing it instead of five, one dropped out. So there's only four of us. And you know, it was quite competitive. Um, so I didn't really tell anybody that I was doing this other course. Okay. Because how do you explain to people? I mean, you also have to remember I was I was also the head supervisor within a with within a within a uh, rehabilitation house. I was also managing the female house. I was working a 40-hour week. I'm a lone parent. I'm doing my master's, and then I decided to do another course. Yeah. So you could say I was a bit busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this how you've always, uh, doing two courses at the same time, is this typical for you where you're like, I just do all the things, and then somehow they fit in or they don't? I do all the things, and most of the time they actually fit in. I absolutely love research. I love knowing things. I love trying to find out why things happen, regardless of what it is. It's always why, 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 why with me, and always has been. Um, I've got a very, very academic mind, and I'm at my happiest when I have a book. I mean, here I am. Look, look at me. Look at all my pages. <laughs> books all over. Yeah, I have books all over. I mean, I have a whole bookcase with me that I brought with me from Ireland when I came over in March last year. Um, and I can't live without my book. I just, I love my books. I love them. I'm, I'm at my happiest when I'm talking about what I do, how I'm doing it, doing what I do. I just love it. I absolutely love it. So what is the start of a hypnosis program? Is it um, self-experimentation? So do they ask people, you need to be involved with this, because if you expect to go out and hypnotize people, you have to let us hypnotize you. You have to hypnotize yourself. You have to experiment with this so you know what it's like. Is that the start, or they leave that off for a while? 
No. When we went, our first day when we went and everybody had checked in and we're all sitting down at our seats, Susan said, right, turn to somebody. We turned to somebody and said, this is what we do. And she took someone out of the class. I think it was about 30 of us, if I was right. And uh, she went and hypnotized them there and then said, right, you're all going to do that. Within an hour, we were all hypnotizing each other. It was, it was incredible. Howard, it was absolutely incredible to see it. You know, one of the things about hypnosis, which I think many people don't know, and I didn't know, is you can't be hypnotized if you don't want to be hypnotized. You know, if somebody doesn't want to be hypnotized, they're not going to be hypnotized. And that's it. So when you have a room of, let's say, 30 people who are all students that want to learn to be hypnotized, you have all these people going under hypnosis. It was hilarious. It was great. It was so enjoyable. It was really safe. And that I do want to say that was really, really safe. Um, but it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. It opened up my world completely. It completely. From everything from, you know, now I mostly do it to do with quit smoking, um, phobias, that kind of thing. Love regression therapy. Past life regression is one of my big things that I do. I don't really deal with it anymore to do with, you know, addiction. You know, what I do is with any of my clients, um, especially in Ireland, not here in, in the States, because I, I don't have a visa to cover my hypnosis here in America. I do want to state that to everybody. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> But, I'm not practicing outside of immigration law. Making that clear, I'm no, not supposed to do this. Okay, yeah. So, but what I would do is an awful lot of, excuse me, an awful lot of anxiety reducing therapy for them, um, and that does help a huge amount because if you can reduce the anxiety and give people that tool when they feel anxiety coming up, you know, or those compulsions and that, they now have tools within themselves to bring the anxiety down. Well, that can help them with relapse prevention. But most of the stuff that I would do with my clients now would be anything, anything, name something, fear of flying and um, sleep. Um, I don't know, afraid of cats, fears, phobias. As I said, regression therapy, I absolutely adore. It's one of my big things. Love that. So. In, in in from your perspective, given the fact you like to do research and you like to see the why and the how of things, in your mind, maybe you could explain what is happening when someone is hypnotized. If, for instance, you say at the start of this, you're like, well, if they're not willing to be hypnotized, if they're if they're antagonistic to the hypnotism, it won't happen. Which sounds like a convenient way of saying, if you don't want this thing to, if you want it to work, it'll work. But if you don't want it to work, I can't get it to work. Which is. So explain to me what is happening in your mind when people are hypnotized. So if I have a room, say, of I don't know, let's let's pick a number, six people, all right, and they all want to be hypnotized, yeah. and all of a sudden there's one person there fighting it, okay, because they don't want to be hypnotized, I usually ask them to leave the room, okay. all right, because there's no point in them being there. One, they start distracting me because if you're not, and let's call it asleep, okay, if you're not asleep or in that dreamlike state, right and you're awake and you're watching well you're going to start shifting in your seat you're going to get up to go to the toilet you want a glass of water you got you're going to start moving which distracts me and i need to be in a flow when i'm talking to people when they're under hypnosis i need to be able to know they're safe they're not safe if someone else is just sitting there and listening okay they're not safe because i know they're listening and then all of a sudden the therapy's gone out the window 
All right. So one of the things I'm and I do this, my friends, I hypnotize my friends. Don't hypnotize anybody now to be brutal to to bring me out on a date or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's nice. (laughs) But one of the things I do say to my friends is, you know, if we're going to do do this and you don't want to be hypnotized, don't come because it's not fair on me. You know, it's not fair for your entertainment value. Well, then go to a stage hypnosis. I am not a stage hypnotherapist. We're trained exactly the same way. Keith Barry was the guy's name, by the way. Keith Barry does stage hypnosis, you know, and he's amazing at it. He's absolutely amazing at it. Well, he was trained exactly the same way I am, but I choose not to. I choose the therapy end of it against stage hypnosis. So when that very, very beginning stage happens, and you have six people, one person doesn't want to get hypnotized, you ask them to leave. But what I do is I I get all the information, first of all, about why they want to be hypnotized, uh, what it means for them, what's happening for them now within their present moment in time. What do they want to happen? Like, what would their life look like after hypnosis? Like, what are they hoping is going to happen for themselves? And so... The fan has just come on and it's really loud and I apologize. This is the magic of squad. I mean, sure, but this is the magic of Squadcast. It'll eat up some background noise. It's not a problem. Okay, great. So so then what happens is after I collect all that data, all right, and I have everybody settled and everybody's ready to go, and I start doing the beginning of getting them to relax and get under hypnosis, you know then when somebody's going under hypnosis or not. You know, I mean, you can tell when their breathing slows down and it becomes quite regular and you can see them. They've come into that state. I'm sure you've seen, I don't know whether you have children, but I'm sure you've seen children when they're sleeping, they get that very, that rhythm. That's what I'm looking for, you know? And if they're not doing that and they're kind of shifting and they're doing this with their eyes and they're looking, they're not under hypnosis. So I ask them to leave. And then I keep whoever else is in the room under hypnosis. So I so I could look at it one of two ways. One way I think people's impression of hypnosis is someone is taking control of you. So I think that's one impression. My impression would be that we are under the illusion that we are under control all the time. That's the ego is in control. We think we're running things. And actually... If you were to relax, whether through meditation or whether trying to get in touch with your intuition or whether getting into creative flow, you lose yourself. I mean, you've lost yourself. You're still there doing something. It's still you. Do you see it as I'm sort of taking control or they basically kind of let go and then they're much more malleable? We can move them around more because they've kind of let go of that clinching ego they normally do when they're marching around during the day. I think that's really, really important you said that, Howard, because I do think a lot of people are in fear of that controlling thing or that I'm going to make them – I'm going to get them to reveal something that they never ever want to reveal. No. That is correct. (laughs) Absolutely not. You have full control yourself in it. But you want to tell me stuff. You know, if you don't want to tell me stuff, well, you've got control over that, you know, because I know ne- and you got to remember what I do at the end of what I do says therapy. Hypnotherapy is what I am not a hypnotist, even though I am trained as a hypnotist. I don't do that. I only practice therapy. I will never, ever, ever put somebody into an unsafe environment or where they do not want to go. And I will always give them a choice under hypnosis. So I might say, 
you know, you are now, say, say for past life regression and say, okay, you're now, you know, you've now come to where you are and you were, you know, you're going, you're going to look in, I don't know, a mirror or you're going to look in water or you're going to see a reflection, but you only do this only if you choose to do it, not because I'm telling you to do it. So I give the client choice. And the cat has chimed in. Even the cat has said, yes, she does. <laughs> even the cat has choice. Yeah. Do you let people, do some people who are fully hypnotized go in, you give them an option and they opt not for the option. Now they are, you, in your regard is they are still hypnotized. They're still in control. So sometimes they turn away from whatever choices presented to them in this state. And sometimes I might just say to them, you know, if you are ready, just say yes. Or if you're ready, just nod your head. So I know. And sometimes I don't get a nod in the head, so I know they're not ready and they don't want to go there. So I'll bring them back, you know, back a step and go somewhere else or, you know, so I'll tell them, you know, to be, they're safe and, you know, and they're at peace and nothing's going to harm them and I'm there and, you know, and I'll never ever bring anybody safe or I'll never, sorry, I'll never bring anybody safe. I'll make nobody safe. (laughs) No one is safe, right. It's all dangerous. Exactly. (laughs) I'll never make anybody unsafe. I am a therapist. The bottom line is I am a psychotherapist. I also happen to be a hypnotherapist. I'll never, ever do harm to anybody. Ever. What, what, if, what, is, what are the most positive outcomes you've seen unfold from hypnotherapist appointments? And are there any where you had a situation where someone really wanted to do this? What are the kind of the things that either hold them back from having it be effective and they need to go another route to help them with their problem? So good and bad, what sign of good outcomes and bad outcomes? What do they look like? So I've had a couple um, of um, of things that haven't worked out well for me. Um, I've had um, people where it just didn't work, you know, and even though they really, really want to be hypnotized, they don't, you know, in that situation, they don't. They They want it really badly, but they don't want, they cannot relinquish control. And just sometimes, you know, that's not my fault. It's not their fault. They're just not ready. Other things like I've had huge success rate with quit smoking. Um, At one stage, um, I had nearly the whole rehab that I used to work in, um, almost all of them off cigarettes, all of them. Wow. And then somebody got bored and went back that night and smoked. That's not on me. That was their choice. They didn't want a cigarette. And the, the reason I say bored, I asked them the next day, but why did you want a cigarette? Like, why did you smoke? I was bored. So I can't change boredom. <laughs> so that's a problem. The other things will be problems will be um, people that will be on, say, um, say Xanax or anti-anxiety medication um, because they're relaxed anyway into a relaxed state. So if they're taking benzos or something like that, and in that relaxed state, I'm not getting into the neurons to be able to change where I need to change. Okay. So often we would have, say, some... So, Howard, when you were a child, did you ever bite your nails? On Not when I was a child, but later on, yes. On and off, yes. On and off, okay. So it was a learned behavior. You weren't born with it. Correct, No. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Or else we would have had to go into therapy mode about that. But okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So 
One of the things about biting your nails is that it is a learned behavior. And many learned behaviors can be unlearned. I'm not talking about walking or skipping or running or anything like that, okay? But many learned behaviors can be unlearned. Many learned behaviors we don't want to unlearn, all right? But if you take something like biting your nails, for instance, you automatically will put your fingers into your mouth without even thinking of them. And then you'll start thinking about it as as they're in your mouth. Well, what hypnotherapy does is I go in, I talk about what the words you've given me about the benefits of not biting your nails anymore and what that would look like. And what happens is I go in to the unconscious and the subconscious and I turn them. So you're not consciously doing something anymore. You unconsciously put your fingers into your mouth the subconscious is there saying to you, a bit of anxiety, something's happened, I need to put my fingers in my mouth, but I change them. So automatically, you don't put your fingers in your mouth, but consciously you're aware, I'm about to put my fingers in my mouth. Actually, I don't need to, so you don't. That's what we do. So this makes me, I'm I'm interested, I'm glad you asked me that question about, you know, did you chew, where did it come from? It's probably on and off, like from preteen and then into adulthood and then long periods, you don't chew my fingernails at all. Occasionally I do, very seldom now. But it, um, I think we pick up, I think when they talk about these habits, we pick up these behaviors when it's like your brain's just trying things. You're in a bad state right now. Try this, try that. And something clicks for you and your brain's like, we'll just keep doing that every time that comes up. And years later, when the situation that you needed that for, it helped you cope many years ago, and you're still doing it to cope, your brain just doesn't, it's like, oh, you feel that? Do this. You feel that? Do this. You feel that? Do this. I can see how this is the short circuit. And there you go. And there's the coping mechanism, you know, because we do things to cope. You know, we don't do things not to cope. We do things to cope. I'm really sorry. My cat wants to play on the keyboard. (laughs) Yeah, this is the story of my life. So now I don't feel bad. Now it's happening to someone else. If I could hypnotize the cat, I'd be happy. (laughs) So my cat's name is Kansas and cannot at any stage be hypnotized. Uh, Let me ask you, in in the hypnotherapy world, is there any attempts to hypnotize or change habits of animals that have learned habits? I know they can't be conscious. They don't have full volition and free will. I mean, I, that my behavior training does that, but is there any benefit to calming animals down and then redirecting? Maybe not. I don't know. You know what? I don't know. That's a question I've never been asked before. Um, I'm actually going to say something without actually knowing. Doubtful. And I could okay. be completely wrong. But I have realized that threatening a cat with throwing it out a top floor window actually works really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> To any animal lovers, I would never throw my cat out a top floor window, and I actually live on the bottom floor. Can I just say that? <laughs> but the cat, but cat, yeah, animals seem to respond, understand threats in a very sophisticated way. That is very true. Yes, as I'm actually playing with it and stroking it and telling it I love it at the same time. So I just want to say that. So where were we? So yeah, so. When we look at changing habits or changing something we don't like about ourselves, even smoking, there's a desire to quit. There's that want to change something within our lives. So imagine having or going to somebody who has a tool to be able to help you change that. I don't, I, it's not me. You, you know, I help that happen. I go in and I help it. 
I help that unconscious, that consciousness, that subconscious, that id, the ego, the whole lot, help change it. But it's up to you to keep it. It's not a reflection on me or whether it happened or not. I've helped him. Are you going to keep him? Do you have people who um, come in for something and it clicks and they're done? And do you have other people who maybe instead of one session, it's 20, 30 sessions, and they just keep sort of circling the problem and they get a little better and then not quite all the way and a little better and not quite all the way? Well, actually, I've had quite a big success rate with hypnotherapy to do with anxiety and with stop smoking and things like past life regression, which I will talk about in a minute if you want. But with regards to changing things like phobias and that, yeah, I've had a really, really big and large success rate. I have people that don't smoke anymore. Um, I have people that are able to control their, their own anxiety. With regards to people coming back over and over again, I would have those clients, but only within my my psychotherapy to do with recovery from actual hard drugs or or, or addiction. Within hypnotherapy, no. And um, sometimes and quit smoking, they need to have a second or even a third little chat, as I like to call it, just that reassurance that they're doing the right thing. And it usually works. If it doesn't, they're just not ready. Okay. So you don't put them on, well, if it doesn't work for you, don't worry. We can do it another 100 times, twice a week for perpetuity. (laughs) No, no. And again, we go back to therapy. It's unethical of me to keep taking money from somebody when I know it's not going to work. Also, the other thing is I'm very adamant about this. I will find out details from the client before I even see them or take money. And if I know they're on something like anti-anxiety medication or I know there's other mental health or I know this, I will not book them in for a session. I will not take their money. They're going to waste their money with me. And it's unethical of me to do that. I will not do that. Okay, I do want to talk about. So we talked about the stuff people are probably more familiar with, either listening to audio tapes, going to a hypnotherapist, hearing about this done for bad habits. Past life regression opens up a whole nother can of worms about now are we recognizing, again, are we recognizing eternal souls? Are we, it wades into like religion and philosophy and paranormal phenomena. If we're talking about past, um, if we're literally talking about people for, who have a solid connection to something outside of themselves that transcends space and time in some way. Okay, so talk to me. I'm open. Okay. Tell me about past life. <laughs> So the first time past life regression was done on me, Susan did it, okay, who was who my uh, lecturer, as I said. Um, and she's amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. She had, um, again, I'm going to go back to 30 people. You know, I don't know exactly how many of us there was. We were all lying on the ground. So you have all these new, you know, people that are learning about hypnosis are all under hypnosis, whole group of us. And... Um, most of us were able to do it. I think there was maybe two or three that didn't want to do it. I can't remember the exact number. I, I think I was the first one to sign up, say, yes, yes, put me under. <laughs> I'll try. Put me yeah. under. Why do I do these things? So as I said to you, when I was a child, I always wanted to know what it would be like to go back. Always wanted to know what it was like to go back. So... um. This is probably where I'm going to lose half the people now in your podcast when I come out. Who with cares? It. That's okay. You know what? If they if they when they heard me talk about past life and that's what we're going to talk about, and they're like, I don't want to listen to that woo woo crap. I'm out of here. Off. Whatever. <laughs> out of here. So I'm going to tell you about me, and then I'm going to tell you about one or two of my clients. All right. Well, actually, one of them is a good friend of mine. 
Um, and I did ask her, could I actually talk about her? Her name's Yvonne. Um, but so with me, they I, I can never, ever understand why I have this thing about the color purple and blues. Blues and purples are my thing. Um, I just love those kind of very deep, deep colors and then very, very bright, bright blues. And um, I'm absolutely addicted to water. Okay, and I will put my hands up and say I have an addiction. <laughs> my addiction to swimming, being in the water is just, and I don't know whether it comes from being in Ireland, living by the sea, I have no idea. But I love swimming. I'm not a strong swimmer. There's something about getting into the water and actually feeling calm, secure, peaceful, supportish, something about it. It awakens me. I actually feel alive. The other thing is um, I absolutely adore trees. Mm -hmm. um, my little cottage, and I do have a cottage, a 130-year-old cottage that I live in at home in Ireland. Um, I've got trees outside. And um, I bring my trees. They're in pots, and I br I've brought them everywhere with me. I bring my – uproot them, and I bring them with me. Um, so here in the apartment, I'm on the ground floor, but I need to look at trees. So I chose this apartment because it overlooks the wood. And um, I can I never, ever understood why. And I've been like that as a child. I reared my own son. You know, we went camping from when he was a baby in trees. So he would be sitting having his breakfast in a tree. Did pass out regression. Yeah. Found out that my name was Arion and that I was a man bird. <laughs> so I was I was in a nest and um, in trees in a wood. And I was in charge of minding a lake. And so I used to swoop down. I could see myself in past life regression swooping down and skimming the surface of the water and then coming up and then coming around the trees and sitting on the trees and watching everything and watching the animals and watching everything else and then swooping back. One of the other things I found out when I looked at myself in the water and past life regression, so I looked at my feet and then in the water, that my feet were always bare. It's another thing I do. I never wear shoes. That I had feathers and my feathers were purple. And as they came up my body, they turned to blue. And there you go. So I, so I could, so what did that experience mean to you? For instance, every time I sleep at night, especially periods where I have a lot of vivid dreaming, the stuff my brain comes up with when I, I wake up, I'm like, I don't know where that came from because I, if I were conscious in the day and I sat down to write something or I sat down to create something, I don't know if that did come up. I don't know where it would have come from. So my def I hear that and I'm like, oh, the brain is a marvelous. Look at the brain's imagination. Marvelous to you. What are you imagining um, in in the, the cosmology or how the universe operates? What do you think you were? What do you think you were tapping into? Well, I know what I was tapping into. I was there. I mean, I felt it. You know, when I was in, you know, within that state of, of hypnosis, I was there. I could feel the nest under my feet. I could feel the twigs. I could feel them. I could feel my feathers ruffling. I could actually feel them, just like I am now. I can feel the air. I can, you know, I, I, I could feel it. I could smell the water. I could smell it. I could smell the wood. I was living it. I was actually in my life living it. And when I pulled away from it, because I was coming back around, and I came back around, 
And I wrote down because Susan had us writing everything down and I wrote it down. I still have that to this day. I have it there. I have it there. My notes. The thing about it is that it was real. When I came awake, whatever you want to call it, I knew immediately why, why I am the way I am. Explains why I don't want to wear shoes, why I don't like having anything on my feet, why I prefer the cold than the warmth, why I love water. Absolutely adore water. Don't particularly, not, as I said, I'm not a great swimmer, but birds aren't great swimmers. No. Why do I why do I pick out the colors I do? Why why do I prefer those purples, navies, blues to anything else? Why? I used to dye the front of my fringe purple. As you can see, I don't now, but it was purple. Yeah. Just had this thing about purple. I collect feathers. I go picking up feathers all of the time. I don't know why I did that. I would often say if I see a white feather, you know, I would say, Oh, that's my my my, my stepmom, you know. But there's something about feathers. You know, now I know why it made sense. All of a sudden it was like that missing jigsaw piece. And the experience, I mean, again, I use the word real a number of times. The experience was real. Like, again, yeah. my dad was very dismissive of paranormal things, but he did talk about growing up. There were a couple of times a sister was convinced they were a ghost. There were sounds and things that happened in the house he and his sister grew up in that were that he could not explain. And so he didn't know where they came from. So was it a ghost? Was it something weird? He doesn't know, but it shouldn't have happened according to the normal understanding of who was in that house. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a real, so yes, what you're talking about in this past life regression, it felt different than a dream. It was a real life experience. And there's the cat, right? Yeah. There's the cat. <laughs> Good it, it felt different than dreams. It felt yeah. different than imagining. Yeah. And it's not a dream. And, you know, and I think that's really, really important because people can have dreams. And, oh, I was, you know, was that mean I was hip like hypnotized? No. You know, now that's a different podcast because that's, you know, we could go into Freud and You're find right, out what the dreams like, are and like, uh, dream analysis. And I love Freud. So that's another podcast, yeah. you know, but it's not, it's not like that. You know, it's not like that. Let, let me explain to what happened to Yvonne, because Yvonne's is very, very different from mine. So Yvonne's one of my best friends, and um, she lives in Dublin, and uh, she's an accountant. So um, I'm not saying accountants are boring. <laughs> she's anything but boring, and I can absolutely assure you that. Right? But she's what I'm trying to say is that we're talking about a professional. You know, and she's very, you know, and this is what's happening and this is what we need to do. And she's not airy fairy at all. She's very dogmatic about, you know, things. So she wants to do past life regression. So I suggest, sure. And I said to her, you know, what do you think of the things you want to know about? She said, well, you know, she's a very caring person, very, very caring, as in almost like a nursing kind of way. You know, like if you hurt yourself, she'd almost be a nurse. Even though she's an accountant, she'd almost be a nurse. She want to mind you. She has this thing about minding you and kind of patching you up and that kind of stuff. You know, she never understood why. And for and she absolutely one hundred percent believes that um, things like flowers and plants and all of that are the best medicines and not particularly going to doctors. Right, so. Um, I'm gone blank, of course, on the name of that because that's what you do when you get under pressure. <laughs> oh, like we're talking about, like I mean, you're talking about like alchemy or 
Yeah, all of those yeah. kind of things, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, and she'd always go to the nature shops, you know, to get things that, like, the medicines are going to make her better, like euthanasia yeah. and all that, where I'm like, get me a doctor, you know? Right. <laughs> so, But she's all aromatherapy and aromatherapy, herbs and, yeah. All of these things, okay. right? And she really, really believes in them. So it's just a bit of her, you know, you know, how she is. So we went to past life regression, and I brought her to past life regression when she woke up. She was. She grabbed the pen, just as Susan had actually trained me to do, with the pen beside her and the piece of paper, and she started writing like mad. And um, when she finished writing, I said, well, I'm so excited. And she looked at me and she said, I was a nurse. She said, before the war. She said, I don't know when it was. She said, but I could see myself. I was in a nurse's uniform, very, very old, old, old nurse's uniform, way before penicillin, way before anything. And all we had to give people during this war to mine them, to patch them up, was herbs and plants. She said, now it makes perfect sense to me why I know these things. Like she'd say things about, sir, oh, that plant will do this. And you'd ask her, why do you know that? She'd go, I, I have no idea. And here we have somebody who was able to go back to their past life and connect the dots of why why she's able to distinguish stuff and why she does things the way she does. Incredible. I agree. I don't have anything. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> it is fascinating. So I don't know if you've. I don't. A lot of people who would talk about this stuff. Um, Usually they tie it into a solid cosmology. They want to know not just why am I, because you and you and Yvonne were asking, why am I? Why am I this way? I can recognize I have these abilities or these these loves for things, but I don't know where they came from. They didn't come from anywhere. So where the heck did this come from? But a lot of times then people scaffold this into a whole belief system about what the souls are and where did it come from and where will it go and what are we I, it doesn't sound like you're turning the past life regression is like, it's just a reality based on I've experienced it. You've experienced it. This is just what it is. What does it mean? Don't, and where do they come from? Into, what do you think? But then it goes into other things. So, you know, again, I mean, I've had a client um, who actually had trauma um, and, you know, the trauma was basically a car accident, but I brought them back to the car accident because they couldn't understand where something had happened within within the accident. They felt they had done something wrong and they couldn't get over the guilt of it. You know, and they wanted to, and they kept recalling it back because they couldn't admit that missing piece, you know, of, of this car accident when they were a child, right? And the, the reality of it was very, very different from what they actually thought in their heads. And they were able to heal from that. That's very, very powerful, Howard. When somebody actually heals from trauma, being able to be brought back to a place where they've asked to be brought back because they want to know what that missing, what that snapshot was. Like, what is that tiny reel that I have? Because I know that's not the way it was. You know, I need to know about that missing link. What was it? And the reality was very, very different from what they thought in their own heads. So I call it... I tell you something, you go tell someone else, someone else tells someone else, someone else, and all of a sudden it's being diluted or it changes, the storyline changes. Well, she was doing this in her head all of the time, bearing in mind it happened to her when she was a child. 
So her, let's call it movie of events of what happened, that movie, the snapshot, yes. she was remembering it as a child of nine years of age. She was now an adult. So at nine years, she wasn't remembering it as an adult. She was going back to nine years of age and recalling it through a child's mind. So the event at nine years of age is what she saw at nine. But as an adult, that's not what happened because we rationalize things as an adult. And that was able to help her heal from that major trauma. Well, I was all set to tell you this is a bunch of hooey and now I'm kind of sold. And I- <laughs> uh, it, makes a lot, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Is there one part of the hypnotherapy, the part that is about helping people with their day-to-day habits and the part that is with getting them deeper in touch with their narratives from long ago, things that they've around them that they can't explain, is there a part of it that's most exciting? Are you kind of like the whole spectrum of hypnotherapy? I love all of it. I absolutely, I love all of it. I I love that you know the, the you know people really really wanting to explore something within themselves, and I'm willing to help do that therapy. We go back to therapy again, you know, and I want that for for the client. I don't want it for myself. I want it for the client, and I get re- I get rewarded when I see somebody go, God, that was really great, and this happened. I love that. You know, there are times when that doesn't happen, as I said, you know, they're not ready, you know, but they often come back when they are ready, you know, or as I said, if they're on medication, well, there's nothing that that I can do. I can't help someone when they're on that medication. Do you regularly, as a hypnotherapist, do you regularly, is it possible to hypnotize yourself or is it better to be hypnotized by someone? No, I can actually do hypnosis on myself it's i'd much prefer someone else to do it because then i don't have to go into the whole ritual of it you know but i can and i do that um as actually as a matter of fact in november my uh, part of my apartment block burnt down i was caught on fire and i was very very traumatized the next day i um was one of the things that um I noticed, well, everybody else noticed it as well. I kept crying. You couldn't say one word to me, and I just burst out crying. So completely traumatized. And I knew I had to stop it. I, you know, that it wasn't that the trauma, it's okay for the trauma to come out, but it was ongoing. Um, and I knew if I didn't solve them, I would pack up my bags and go home. And I didn't need to pack up my bags and go home. A fire happened in the apartment block. Nobody was killed. Unfortunately, two animals died. People were displaced. And that in itself is traumatic. But I was okay. And I'm just talking about me at the moment. I was okay. So what I did was I ended up staying um, in a friend's house. And uh, she very, very kindly let me stay and move in uh, for five days. I'm sure she was quite delighted when I packed and left. (laughs) Because we chatted to like one o'clock in the morning one night and I kind of went, God, maybe, maybe we need to go to bed now. It's a bit late. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and being Irish, I never shut up. That's the other problem. So, um, so I did that night when I was in her house, um, I went into the bedroom and I did some hypnosis on myself and that was it. And I did the healing from and I brought myself back into you know, the part of that I could control about the fire. I did everything right. You know, I was okay. 
you know, and um, I moved into, when they moved me into a different apartment within the same block, I'm okay. I hear fire brigades all the time. I hear ambulances all, and I'm okay. I live beside a hospital and I'm okay. I'm not triggered. I'm okay. So yes, I do it. If somebody is curious, so if people come to you and they say, hey, I'm looking, I want to know more about hypnotherapy. What is your, is there a favorite online program? Is there a favorite book you treasured? Or do you're like, nope, you need to go find a local hypnotherapist. That's the best way to start exploring this. My, my thing of it is that if people want to know more about hypnosis, Google it. Just go in and Google it. There's an amazing book. What was that guy's name? Uh, Wise, Dr. Wise, I think was his name. Many Lives, Many Masters. That's a great book. Um, and it actually shows an awful lot about past life regression. Um, but the other thing is Google it. Have, you know, actually have a look at it. Because the thing about hypnosis is that you can be a hypnotist on stage or you can do therapy. It's exactly the same course. Now, saying that I've got a double diploma, people have degrees in it, they've masters in it, they're doctors in it. I'm not, you know, I'm not at that level. Um, but I like the level I'm at. I don't, I don't, I've, obviously I always go forward with professional development and that, but I don't need to go back to do a master's in it or a, or, or, or a, doc, or a doctorate in it. But definitely anything online. I mean, most people here in the States, I don't know whether they'd be online for Ireland or not, but, you know, the thing to do with Susan Wallace and her, she's just fantastic. You know, she really, really is. You know, she trained me really, really well. And I'm grateful for that, you know, because there's a lot of charlatans, as we like to call them in Ireland out there, you know, want to take her money and run, you know. But um, I actually feel I was trained well. You know, it was always about the therapy. It was always about the client. Always. It was never about lining your pocket. It was always about be the best that you can be. Because if you're not the best of being what you do, well, then you're not giving your best to your clients. You know, so I think that's a really, really important thing is that to shop around as well, you know. 